Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to One Life Church. It's so good to have you. Glad to be at church today, everybody. Hey, let's do this before we jump in. I want to do something we do every Sunday, and that is I want to throw our hands together, and I want to welcome our online church family right now. Throw your hands together. Show some love. Let them know how much you love them. If you're joining with us today, we want to tell you how much we love you. You are our family. We can't wait to meet you and give you an air high five, an air fist bump one day, but you're a part of, uh, of our family here at One Life Church, and we're just grateful however you're joining us today, however you're listening. Just thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, for those who don't know, my name is Rhett, and I am the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and it really is the joy and privilege and the honor of my life to get to, be, to, get to do that. I really mean that with all my heart, and I really feel like today uh, is going to be a special time together in God's Word and God's presence. It's already been amazing. Aren't you thankful? Can we just take a moment? I'm just so thankful. I mean, if you don't know this, we planted our church just a little over two years ago, uh, September the 16th of 2018, and I am just blown away by the amazing dream team, the men and women who call One Life Church home that put, the, put everything together to pull this off from worship to production to the kids' life. Come on, man. If you love the dream team. <laughs> I was just sitting there on the front row. I was like, man, Jesus, we are so blessed. I mean, our teams are amazing on every, on every level. And I'm just blown away at what God has done, what God is doing, but what God wants to do in and through all of us, including you in this room in 2021. I've been saying this every, every Sunday for the past couple of weeks that I really honestly believe that 2021 could be the best year of your life if it's the best year spiritually. And I mean that. And so we're in a series we're calling Reset. But before we kind of get into the message today, why don't you take a moment, look at the screen here and turn to your message notes. Come on, throw that up there. Message notes, everybody. We are a message note taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes. So how do we do that? We pull out your smartphone, your dump phone, your laptop, whatever electronic device that you may have. And I want you to go to olc.church olc.church, swipe down, and you'll see a big button that says message notes. I want you to click that button. It's going to open up to you today. And, uh, and why do we do message notes? It's because, listen, can I be honest with you? I don't want you to just be inspired on a Sunday. I mean, that's a lot of fun, but I want you to walk away with some things that you can apply in your life on Monday through Saturday. And for those who are note takers in the room and how it's kind of changing your life, can I get a good amen from you in this room today if you enjoy it? And if you're like, man, I'm just not a note taker, um, can I just encourage you today to be a note taker? Follow along. I really honestly believe that it does have the power to change your life because it's not just something that goes into here from here to here to here. There's something just powerful that happens with it. Studies have even shown when you begin to take notes, how you just begin to retain things. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like being able to retain God's Word. And I'm telling you, today has the potential to change your life, not only for 20 and 21, but for your entirety. It really does. And so I'm excited to bring that to you. So everybody say, it's time, it's time. For, a reset. for a reset. Guys, it's time to refocus. It's time to recenter. It's time to realign our lives for what is most important. And there honestly has never been a better time than to do that at the beginning of the year. And so what we've been doing over the past few weeks is we've just been bringing to you a message after message of some, what I would believe are some catalyst resets that if you will apply it in your life, if you'll engage the spiritual reset, 
It'll have the power to change everything. We started the week one by just talking about prayer and fasting and how prayer connects us with God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. It's how we communicate with God. Week two, we talked about how do we hear from God? Well, God's word is how we hear from him. And I don't want us just to be a church that, that knows how to pray. I want us to be, also be a church that knows how to hear from God and knows how to study the word and get in the word and allow God to speak to us. And so in week three, we talked about worship. I said, it's time to turn our worry into worship. And that one's a pretty passionate message for me because worship has been a part of my life for 27 years. And what I've learned through the power of worship, that if you'll turn your worry into worship, something powerful happens. There's this, it, 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 and I talked about when the divine order is restored in our life, when we begin to seek first the kingdom of God in worship, when divine order is restored, blessing is released in our lives. And then last week, I talked about aligning our life back to God's plan, God's purpose for our life. And honestly, all of these resets have been just an opportunity to kind of come out of 2020, right? Which has been kind of a crazy, odd, weird year, and we can all attest to that. But just to kind of come back to square one and the basics, to get divine order back restored in our life so that we can begin to experience the blessing of God for 2021. Because I honestly believe that if you'll hit these resets, including the one I'm going to give you today, that it honestly does have the power to change your life. 2021 could be the best year of your life, everybody, if it's the best year spiritually. And I mean that. So I'm going to close this series today with a message, honestly, that I believe is critical. I believe this message is kind of as a friend to you today that I'm bringing it kind of as a warning. I really believe not only does it have the power to change your life, but it's something that many of us are we're, 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 not, we're not living our life this way, and because of it, we're experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of problems, a lot of things in our life that we really shouldn't be facing. And, you know, ever since this pandemic hit, let's be honest, like, we've all, we've all gone through some stuff, haven't we? We've all been impacted, not only in our world, in our nation, in our city, in our own backyard, in so many different ways. And I'll never forget when I was thinking about when this pandemic first hit, I began to hear the phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it plenty of times, and you see it a lot when we go to the store, the grocery store these days, but social distancing. You know, social distancing, that was a big word that came out when we first started, you know, in the pandemic. And listen, I get it. I understand what they're trying to say. They're basically trying to say, hey, we need to keep our distance from people right now, right? But I honestly wish that they would have just said that. I wish they would have just called it physical distancing, because I honestly believe that you can still be physically distant, but yet still stay socially connected. You really can. And the truth is, you guys, in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of whatever you're going through in life, the Bible teaches us, in fact, science has even proven that healthy relationships, healthy connections equal a healthy soul, spirit, body, and soul. And it's unfortunate, I was doing some research this week and I would just begin to look at the stats and it's staggering, to be honest with you, of the stats that have happened due to the isolation and the social distancing that have been happening throughout our society. Domestic violence is on the rise. It's higher than it's ever been. Drug overdoses are higher than it's ever been. Depression is higher than it's ever been. Suicide is higher than it's ever been in 2020. It's staggering and it breaks my heart. Did you know that one in four parents, listen to me, one in four Young adults have contemplated suicide since the pandemic hit. That breaks my heart. Parents, it's time for us to have conversations with our kids. It's time to get in their world a little bit, not assume that everything's fine. It's time for us to look them in the eye and say, I love you. I'm here for you. Are you okay? 
These are the byproducts of an isolation. These are the byproducts of social distancing. And why is all this happening? People are in despair. They're hopeless. They're hurting because they've been encouraged. We've been encouraged to stay socially distant. Now, listen to me. If you're listening to this online or you hear me and hear my heart this morning, I, if, if you have an illness or you need to stay distant, I'm not saying be all up and close and buddy-buddy with somebody. Like If you need to stay at home, stay at home. Please hear my heart, okay? But I'm saying we can still be physically distant and stay healthy, but stay socially connected. And it's absolutely important. Why? We need each other, everybody. We need each other. And we need each other now more than ever before. So as I bring this message to you today, I'm bringing you a message about relationships. I want to talk to you a lot today about why relationships are important. And then I'm going to give you some practical ways that we can live it out. You know, because the first problem, you guys, I just want you to understand this. The first problem that God ever addressed wasn't sin. Look at this. The first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. The first problem that God addressed was solitude. It was solitude. You know, the devil and sin didn't even show up until Genesis chapter 3. But many of us think that the Bible is just all about sin and being free from sin. And yeah, you're right. That is a major theme of the Bible. Of course, it's important. But the very first problem that God addressed wasn't sin. It was It was isolation. It was solitude. Let's just recap for a moment. Genesis chapter one, God created the heavens and the earth. God made the fish, the water, the sea, the sky, birds, right? The flowers, the animals, the garden. And he made Adam. He made man. But then God looked down and he recognized, look at this, Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And before you think that God made a mistake here, because some of you are in this room going, well, I guess God made a mistake. No, no, no. God didn't make a mistake. God does everything on purpose for a purpose. And the purpose for us to see this, he wanted us to see and to recognize. He wanted to teach us something, that it is not good to live life in isolation. Why? Because we're made for relationships. You and I are made for relationships. We're made for a relationship with God, and we're made for a relationship with one another. We get a glimpse of this in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse eight, where King Solomon said this. And by the way, if you don't know who King Solomon is, he was just the, he was known as the wisest king who had ever lived. He had everything. And he had what some people would probably think are a ton of relationships and like, like fame, fortune, status, everything. And out of his wisdom, Solomon said, you know, I saw a man all alone. Everybody say alone. In other words, I saw somebody who didn't have a close relationships in his life. He had neither son nor brother. And look at what happened. It says there was no end to his toil. In other words, he was miserable yet, even though he was wealthy, look at that. He was wealthy yet. His eyes were not content with his wealth. Why? Because we're not created for wealth. We were not made to be wealthy. We were made for what? We were made for relationships. We're made for relationships. That's why my friends, I am so excited about telling you today that our small group semester launches today, everybody. Come on. Small groups. What are small groups? They're groups that are small. You're like, wow. Some of you are like, man, I love this church, man. Thank you for the simplicity. Small groups are an opportunity for life change. 
We honestly believe here that life change happens in life giving relationships. And right now we're kicking off our season. We do a 13 week season every spring, every fall and a short one in the summer. And we're getting ready to kick our small group semester off. And so our online directory is live today. You have over 21 opportunities to connect with people. In fact, when you leave this service today, you're going to notice a whole ton of people that are going to be outside around tables with balloons. And it's going to be a lot of fun. They're there. They're people who want to connect with you and do life with you and build relationship with you. Why? So that you can experience life change. You know, I have some, a lot of people tell me like, oh, well, you just created a system to try to get people to do something throughout the week to keep them more busy. And I'm saying, no, no, no. Small groups are not a system. Small groups are not a program. Small groups are the biblical model for life change, everybody. You can read Acts chapter two, when the church was first born and the Holy Spirit began to move after Jesus died and was resurrected, the Holy Spirit came and the church began to grow. All of a sudden, what do we see in Acts chapter two? The verse won't be on the screen, but you can read it later. This is at the church. They began to meet weekly in the temple courts. In other words, they went to church on Sunday, but it says they met daily from house to house. They did small groups, everybody. Small groups aren't something we do. Small groups are who we are. It's more than curriculum. It's more than learning how to parent. It's more than a Bible study. It's more than paintball. It's more than spike ball. It's more than painting. I don't know why I'm saying painting a lot, right? It's more than just getting out of debt. Small groups are more than that. Small groups are all about, honestly, if we can just call it what it is, it's about finding your new best friend, everybody. Life-giving relationships. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Check this out. It says, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You too? Man, I thought I was the only one with that. This is what small groups are all about. It's to create a moment where you can connect with another person and say, oh, you too, man, me too. That's why we say life change happens in life-giving relationships. Why? Because we were made for relationships, everybody. So today what I want to do is I want to bring you four principles from the life of Jesus. And I want to teach us why it is time to hit the reset on relationships. Everybody say, it's time, it's time. to hit the reset on relationships. I'm going to show you a story that you can actually find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books are the first four books of the New Testament, otherwise known as the Gospels or the good news about Jesus's life. Now, you can find this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke in the first three, but they only give you so much detail. But I want to bring you today a message and show you some principles of why relationships are important from John. The reason I want to bring it from John is because John took five chapters, everybody, Five chapters and a lot of detail, and he, and he encompasses a conversation that Jesus had with the disciples on the night before he was betrayed, or whether it was the Thursday night before Friday of the, crucifi of the crucifixion, when Jesus was crucified to pay for the sins of the world. And so we see this conversation happening, and what we see is that John, he details this conversation before a meal called the Passover meal, during the Passover meal, and after the Passover meal. What's the Passover meal? Well, it was just a Jewish celebration or tradition that honored something that God did for the Israelites when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. It's powerful. A lot of people still celebrate that today. But what I want you to know before I kind of set this story up and before I start giving you the principles is that it was customary before, uh, before meals or especially the Passover meal that whoever was hosting the meal had someone at the front door and that person at the front door, their job was to wash people's feet. In other words, we don't understand this in today's culture, but this was really important back then. This was kind of a way of honoring your guests and say, hey, it's so good to see you. Welcome to the party, right? 
But here's the interesting fact about what we see in the detail that John describes here is that no one was there to wash their feet. And this would have been, again, kind of like a no-no, like this wasn't supposed to happen. And the Bible says that Jesus took off his outer garments. He noticed there was not anybody there to wash their feet. So Jesus himself took off his outer garments, wrapped the towel around his waist, grabbed a basin of water, got on his knees, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, I just need you to understand something. The disciples had been with Jesus for like three years. They've been close, okay? Any fella's done life with somebody for three years out camping, you know you've been close. Do I have to give you any details? Okay? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so they were close. But it's interesting that we see in John chapter 13, verse 8, in the first part of this verse, we see Peter. Peter's like, I'm a little uncomfortable here, Jesus. This isn't right. He says, no, 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 no. No, I don't think so. Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. Like, God, I've enjoyed our time up until this point. In fact, God, I love your teachings. In fact, Jesus, I know you're the son of God. I believe in you. Like, we're going to do this thing called life together. This is awesome. But God, I don't want you all up in my business. God, I don't want you up in the cracks and the stink and the mess and the dirt and the manure between my toes. You're like, manure? Really? Really? Guys, go with me for a second. Go back into that day. They didn't have paved roads. It was dirt. There was mules. There was donkeys. There was horse poo. You're like, ooh. Guess where it was? It lived all up in their feet. Why? Because they walked around the streets. And so Peter's like, hey, I'm not comfortable with you getting all this dirt out between my toes. This is awkward. I don't want it. The more I thought about this, the more in some ways, this is kind of a picture of our life with God, isn't it? It's like, God, I love you. I believe, like, I want to go to heaven. But Lord, I don't need you getting all up in the business that's in my heart. I don't need you kind of getting so up close and personal to personal that you're dealing with a mess in my soul, that you're dealing with the junk, the shame, the hurt, and the manure of my spirit. It's the picture of our life. And so John 13, 8, Jesus said, all right, unless I wash you, in other words, unless you allow me access into the mess of your life, we really don't have a relationship. And you have no part with me. And I just need you to understand something. There is more, than a, a more in our relationship with God and Jesus than just salvation. Absolutely. Jesus wants to bring sanctification. Jesus wants to bring a, a, a transformation of your soul. Jesus wants to cleanse you, not physically, but spiritually from the inside out. There's two words that we like to say here at One Life Church. We want to help you find freedom. What are we saying? We want to see you transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you to help you clear out the junk of yesterday so you can see the significance of the future that God has for you. And so this is exactly what Jesus is saying. So Jesus begins to teach his disciples and he has this conversation around the table and the whole theme of five chapters, honestly, they're all about relationships. And so there are a ton of principles that I could pull out, but I'm just going to give you four today. And the first principle that we begin to learn from Jesus of why relationships are important is this. Look at this. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes, is that we all need people who will care for us. I need people, you need people who will care for me. And what do I mean by the word care? I mean, on the day that you're hurting the most in your marriage, on the day that you're hurting the most emotionally and you're depressed and you're thinking about giving up on life, 
on the day that you hurt the most uh, in your career or on the job, in the day that you hurt the most in your health, physically, emotionally, spiritually, on the day that you hurt the most, you need some people close enough to care for you. In other words, you're not strong enough to do this on your own. Watch this, John 13, verse 12 through 15. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, he returned to his place. He says, guys, do you understand what I've done for you? And he asked them, and of course, some of you are like, well, Jesus, you just washed my feet, right? Of course, but no, he says, look, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have served you, you also should serve one another. In fact, I've set you an example that you should care for others as I've cared for you. You should care for others as I've cared for you. My friends, can I just be honest with you and clarify one thing about what the church is supposed to be? The church is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting. And if we're ever going to be a church that helps people uh, through a pandemic, if we're ever going to be a church who survives the uncertainty that is happening in our world and our nation right now, we have got to be a church that cares for others. We've got to be a church. We've got to be a church who allows people to get close enough to deal with the darkness, the mess, the dirt that's within our soul. We've got to stop playing games. We need a family, everybody. Everybody say family. We need a family. You need a small group is what you need. You need small groups. Guys, what do families do for each other? Let me rephrase that. What are families supposed to do for each other? (laughs) They're supposed to support care, right? I got your back. And you're like, well, that don't happen in my family. Well, I don't know what happens in your family, but I know what happens in God's family. And I know what happens here at One Life Church. You need a family. You get a part of this family and you're going to be cared for. The day you need the most And some of you are like, well, I don't really need it, man. I can do this thing on my own. You cannot do this on your own. You can't. You're not Superman. You may think you are, but you're not. We need each other. I love this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 through 10. Guys, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth. Why? Because there's coming a day. When you're going to fall down, well, Rhett, good grief, man. Could you be a little bit more positive? That's a lot. That's a lot of negativity in that statement. Okay, I can be a lot more positive. You ready for this? I'm positive. There's going to come a day when you fall down. It's going to happen. It's coming. If you fall down, there's nobody there to help you. Look, if there's no one there to help, oh my goodness, it's going to be tough. Some of you are experiencing that. So what does it look like? Get a part of a small group, get a part of a family. Well, I love Romans 12, 15. The bottom line is this. We're going to rejoice for those who rejoice. In other words, we're going to throw a party. Hey, celebrate good times. Come on. Right, we're going to throw a party when it's time to throw a party. But we're also... When you go through some hard times, they're going to mourn with you when you mourn. We're going to get in there. Why? Why? Because this is who we are. This is who God has called us to be in Christ Jesus. This is not something we do. This is the family of God. This is who we are. And listen, if we're really going to take care of all of us, can I just make this statement? If we're really going to take care of all of us, all of us, I've got to take care of all of us. This is important. So if you're new to our church, I just really want to tell you that the primary way that we do pastoral care here, 
The primary way we do pastoral care is our small group system. In fact, you'll probably hear me say from time to time, if you're not in a small group, you're not really getting pastored. You're coming to church on a Sunday, you're listening to a message, you're going to live in your life, and you're still alone. Nobody knows what's going on in your world. If you want to be pastored in our church, the primary way, not the exclusive way, but the primary way we pastor people is through small groups. We've set up an incredible system of just communication to where our small group leaders, they communicate with you, you communicate with them, and they communicate with us to make sure you're taken care of. Pastoral care does not just come from the pastor of this church. Can I tell you, as much as I love you, I want to spend time with each and every one of you as God has called us to. I can't do that. I'm great. I'm, I do well enough to do that for the five or 10 people that I'm kind of really close to. It's, it's just impossible. And the word of God doesn't teach that, by the way. The word of God teaches me to empower you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry, which what does that mean? It means to pastor people, to love people, to care for people. This world does not revolve around Rhett. It revolves around you and I together, working together. And so if you want to be cared for, you need to be in a small group. Now, does that mean if you're not in a small group, you're not going to be cared for? No, of course, we're here to help you. But you know what part of the next step we're going to give you? You need to be in a small group. And we're going to point you to a small group. And if you take steps into that small group, then we're going to help you. That's how we do things here. We connect people relationally. It is a family and that's why, listen, I know every single one of you today, you're going to join a small group. I just know that about you because every one of you in this room, you get it, right? I'm talking to those who are listening online. No offense to you listening online. We love you, right? Some of you just couldn't be here today and I get that. But so when you join a small group, this is what I need you to do. Here's your practical next step is give your group leader, keep them informed of your care needs. Keep them informed of the places you're hurting most. And this is practical. I'm giving you some practical life-changing tools today of why this is important. And I'm walking you through what Jesus taught his disciples over the Passover meal before his crucifixion. Jesus keeps the conversation going. He teaches us, not only do we need somebody to care for us when we need it most, but number two, we need people who will encourage us. I need people, you need people. We all need people who can encourage us when we're down. I love the word encouragement. I looked it up. Do you know what it means? It means to inspire with hope. We all need people in our lives who can inspire us with hope. And in chapter 14, we see Jesus doing this. The disciples, they're discouraged. In fact, they didn't understand what Jesus was saying here in a few things. And we've left out, I don't have time to go into all the details, but basically Jesus says something to them, the effect of, hey, where I'm going, you can't go just yet. And if for somebody who just did life with somebody really close for three years, for them to say that, hey, where I'm going, you can't come with me just yet, that was very disappointing and very discouraging for the disciples. And then, so look at this. It says, Jesus responded to their discouragement and said, hey guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be discouraged. Trust in God, but trust also in me. So what was Jesus doing here? He was saying, hey guys, it's going to be all right. And in fact, if you read the rest of the verse in your Bible, Jesus goes on to say, hey, in my father's house, there are many rooms. And in fact, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then he says, I'm coming back, baby. I'm coming back for you. Y'all, that's how I read the Bible, right? <laughs> Please don't judge me. He said, no, pastor, you said, I'm coming back, baby. I don't see that in scripture. <laughs> you could email that to I don't care.com, right? <laughs> this is how I read the scripture. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be discouraged. 
You're going to be all right. Jesus was setting for us the example that we all need people in our lives to encourage us. We need somebody to say, hey, I know you're going through a tough time, but guess what? It's going to be okay. Well, how? Because I got your back. You're not alone. I'm with you. And I'm just going to remind you who you are in and through Christ. This is what relationships do. This is what families do. They love each other. They take care of each other. Hebrews 3, 13, they encourage each other. That's why Paul says, encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today. Why? So that none of you could be discouraged and give up and be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Guys, we need to inspire each other with hope. When we forget who we are in Christ, we need somebody to say, hey man, I know what you're going through is tough. I get it. I've been there. But let me remind you who you are. You are a man, a woman of God. According to God's word, you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You are blessed going in. You are blessed going out. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. You're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. You have the power of Christ in you. I know you can't see it right now, but I can see it in you because I've got your back. We need somebody to inspire us with hope. In our small group leaders, we don't have all the answers. In fact, some of us, we're, we're, we really, we're just like you. We're, like, we're trying to figure this thing out as well. But it's not our job to have all the answers, small group leaders. It's not your job to have all the answers. It's just our job to point everyone to the one who does. And just to be there. You know, the greatest thing you can do for a family at a funeral is not, it's just simply to tell them, I love you. I'm here for you. You're not alone. That, that's what people are looking for. Looking for a friend. This is what families do. And so when you're in your small group, because I know every single one of you are going to join a small group. <laughs> so what's going to happen? This is what I need you to do. Here's your next step. I just simply need you to get to the place to where as you develop a friendship with somebody to exchange phone numbers and just regularly check on one another. I'm teaching you the Bible today, everyone. This is what Jesus taught his disciples. You need to get close. You don't need to look close to everyone, but you need to find someone. And can I just be honest? It's not going to happen on the first day. It might not even happen on the first small group that you try, but don't give up. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I've tried that small group thing. Didn't work. I'm like, well, uh, have you ever had a bad experience at a restaurant? And I think 99.9% .9 of everybody in this room could say I've had a bad experience at a restaurant. But has that bad experience kept you from ever trying another restaurant or eating, period? No. Hadn't me. I'm just going to find myself another restaurant. Same is true with church. Same is true with small groups. Don't give up just if you had one bad or awkward or weird experience. Okay? You need to keep going. You need to keep trying. I'm telling you, if you want 2021 to be the best year of your life, it needs to be the year to where you can put people in your life. Because when you're going through your bad day and that friend calls you up and says, like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, man, well, I'm really having the worst week of my life. You can say, not anymore. Why? Because you're talking to me, baby. That's why. Because I'm about to drive over to your house and we're going to have a conversation. And we're going to get you through this because you are not alone. This is what families do. Jesus is teaching us this. We need people in our life to care for us. Number two, we need people to encourage us. Here's number three. Write this down. I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. Here's the truth, guys. I only see what I see. I'm going to get really deep here. You can only see what you can see. As I stand on this platform and look straight ahead, guess what? I see things you don't see, 
and you see, see things I don't see. If somebody was coming up behind me right now, I would hope you would say, hey, Pastor Ed, you got somebody behind you. Jump off the stage, right? You probably hope I would do the same thing for you. We only see what we can see. Follow me with this. So check this out. Jesus says, you got to make sure somebody's got your back. Somebody sees the things that you don't see in your life. John 16, 1. He says, all of the things that I'm telling you about relationships, I'm telling you so that you will not go astray. Now we can read that, skip past it, and not understand a word that Jesus is trying to teach us. Did you know what the word astray is in the Greek? It comes from a Greek word called skandalizo. Skandalizo. That's where we get our word scandal. So let me read this. In the Rhett Barden paraphrase. I'm telling you all these things about relationships. Jesus said, I'm telling you this so that you won't go and do stupid. Every single one of us are one step away from stupid. Including the one who's talking to you. And if you don't think you're one step away from stupid, my friend, you're already there. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be cute. But I'm trying to deliver a hard truth in a graceful way. You need somebody in your life to protect you from stupid. I'll read this. Bible is clear. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. I'm about to step on some toes, but let me just preface this. I've had to step on my own toes in this area that I'm about to get personal with you. So the things that I say are things that I've had to deal with on my own. So I'm preaching to myself here. Jesus says, uh, or not Jesus, but Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12, God's word teaches us a person standing alone. Time out. A person who's on the internet by themselves with no accountability, no filtering process or protection on their phone or on their computer, no person Standing alone in that environment, including myself, will ever be successful. In fact, a person standing alone with no accountability will be attacked and defeated. Listen to me. Many of you in this room have struggled with pornography. I had at one time in my life too. And you've wondered, why in the world can I not get free from this? Why can I not give myself enough willpower to get to the place where I won't click on that or click on this or look on that or look on this? It's because you're not protected, my friend. Your internet's not protected. Your phone's not protected. And your soul is not protected. Well, Rhett, why you got to be picking on porn this morning? Because let's be honest. 99.9% of every single one of us in this room, if you don't admit to it, that's fine. You're lying. We all dealt with it. We do. And I'm tired of the games and I want to see people find freedom in this area in their life. It's time that the men and women of God find freedom. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation. I'm just telling you, you, my friend, will never find freedom in your life alone. 
You have got to set up some protection. You've got to set up some boundaries. You've got to set up some guards. I did not find freedom in my life from pornography years ago until I got to the place where I decided, you know what? It's time that I get some help. I can't do this on my own. I need some protection. And the minute I started to put filters on my phone, the minute my wife started to block it and she's the only one that has a passcode, the minute that I completely just rearranged my life and began to value my life, my soul, my mind, my marriage, my health, everything was the moment that I began to get protection and to bring other people in my life around me who would ask me the hard questions was the moment that I began to take one little step toward freedom. I'm telling you, my friends, I love you. You're my family. Families don't judge each other. Families help each other. And I'm just telling you, it is time to stop standing alone, to put somebody in your life to find protection, to find freedom. Because two, look at the rest of the verse. Two, and we can stand back to back. We can conquer. Three, woo, and they're even better because the triple braided cord is not easily broken. What is this saying? It's saying that the greatest freedom you will ever experience in your life is when you give somebody permission to get close enough to you to ask the hard questions. Why? To protect you. To protect you. So I was having a conversation last night with my overseers about this, and they actually uh, have permission to ask me some hard questions. Why? Because I need it. You need it too. And so I thought about sharing the Questions that I have my overseers ask me and I have those who are really close to me ask me. So I want to share those with you today. These questions are all in your notes. And if there's ever a time that you want to click on your notes to find this and get this, go to olc.church, click on message notes, download this because you're going to need this if you want to find freedom. Questions like, have you been in a compromising situation this week? Questions like, have any of you, any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Questions like, have you spent quality time in the Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And here's the best one, the last one. I like this. Have you just lied to me? Because I'm thinking you might have lied to me. Guys, we all need somebody we can trust in our life. We all need somebody who's close enough to go, man, I get it. I know it's tough. I've been there. I get it, but we all need somebody who can be honest with us and ask us the tough questions, who we know has our best interest at heart to help us, to help us grow. You know, it's not my notes, but I was just sitting here thinking, I felt like the Holy Spirit put this in my heart. You know, there are a lot of churches and a lot of places. I grew up in this very religious culture where if you had an issue, like you were like ostracized from the church. And I just say, that is not God. That's not God's word. It's not God's word. As Christians, it's not our job to try to live this perfect life. You know, you'll hear me kid around with it, but I really mean it. Like, we, every one of us are dealing with issues in this room. We're a hospital, man. I got issues. You got, everybody's got issues. And those that don't think they got an issue, you know that that's what you're dealing with. That's your issue. And so we just got to get to the place where we're like, man, we got to get real and honest and trusting enough to know that it's going to be okay. It's okay to not be okay it's just not okay to stay that way. We need people in our life who can meet us where we are. This is what Jesus did best. He met us where we are. He accepted us, but also he loved us enough to not let us stay in that condition. He began to give us care, encouragement, protection through the relationship we have with him. And he's modeling what he wants us to have in our own lives. Because here's the truth. 
If you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. If you're the only one who knows what's happening in here, listen, hi, my name is Rhett, I'm your friend. But if you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. We are only as sick as our secrets. And you don't have to tell everybody, please hear this. You don't have to tell everybody what's going on in here, but you need to tell somebody. Somebody needs to know. And so when you join a small group this week, because I know everyone in this room is, because you're just like that, right? So what I need you to do at some point, here's your practical application. At some point, guys, you just need to give someone permission to ask you the hard questions. You just need to give somebody the permission to ask you the hard questions. Here's the last principle that we find Jesus teaching the disciples. Again, there's tons of principles I could pull out. I'm just giving you four today that I feel are most important for where we are. Jesus said, I, we need to understand that we need people who will pray for us. I need people who will pray for me. You need people who will pray for you. In fact, like I said, this conversation was detailed over five chapters in the book of John. And so he talks about before the meal, during the meal, and after the meal. And after the Passover meal, Jesus invited the disciples to go to his favorite place to pray, which was the Olive Garden. Sorry, not really. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. There were olives there. But I'm trying to make you laugh a little bit, okay? It's the Garden of Gethsemane. He invited his disciples to pray for him. And in fact, Jesus himself was fully human, but yet fully God. And he was experiencing the pressure and the anxiety and the weight of the world to the point that it, scripture describes that he was sweating drops of blood. That's how much pressure that he was under. And he asked his disciples, please pray with me. If you read the scripture, it says that the disciples were found sleeping. They were sleeping when Jesus needed them the most. They were sleeping. It wasn't because they were bad friends. It was simply because they just didn't understand the power of prayer and really what their friend in God, Jesus, needed most in that moment. John records Jesus's prayer. John chapter 17, one in verse nine, I'll show it to you. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked down toward heaven and he prayed. Now watch this. I think this is really interesting. He says, I pray for them Speaking of the disciples, I'm not praying for the world. Now time out. That seems odd to me. He's not praying for the world? Now, of course, we see later that he does pray for the world. We get that. But in this moment, so I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those I'm doing life with right now. Why? Because I believe, I think Jesus understood that if I could pray for them, that they would take care of the world. That through them, they would make a difference and the world would change. So Jesus prays for them. And I just, I mentioned this to you because I want you to understand when you join a small group, you need to know that you, my friend, will be prayed for by name every day when you need it the most. You'll be cared for, you'll be encouraged, you'll be protected, and you'll have somebody praying for you. This is what we do. Every single person that's in a small group is being prayed for by name. This is how we train our leaders and our team. Why? Because Ephesians 6, 18, because prayer is essential. Time out. That's a big word, isn't it? If there's anything that come out of 2020, 
It's been our adjectives, right? And, and descriptions and, and words. Essential. Like what's essential in a crisis? What's essential in a pandemic? Well, prayer. Prayer, my friends, is essential in a culture of crisis, in this warfare. So pray for your brothers and sisters. I need prayer. You need prayer. We all need prayer. Why? Look at James 5, 16. For the prayer of a person who's living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. And that's why James chapter 5, five or 16, the first part of it says, I want you to make this your common practice. What? I want you to take it a step further, get real honest, get real and confess your sins to each other. Not just anybody, but to somebody. To get close enough in relationship that there's trust to know that they have your back, they're for you. But not only to confess, look at this, but to pray. Why is prayer important? Because when you combine confession and prayer from people who have your back and a family, look at the, look at the byproduct, look at the result so that you can live together whole and healed. Everybody say whole. Whole. Say healed. Healed. God wants you to be whole and healed. His process for that is relationships. It's relationships, everybody. Here's your last blank. So when you're in your small group, you start building a relationship, I want you to share your prayer requests weekly, and I want you to pray for each other. Why? this is God's design. Guys, it's time for us to hit the reset. It's time for us to hit the reset on relationships. Why? Because we were made for relationships. But more than that, it's because we need to be whole. And we honestly, we need to be healed. And that's what I want to invite you to today. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? We'll be here just another couple of minutes. This is the most important part of our service. So if you're walking around, I just wanna encourage you to please, please be mindful of this moment. I want you to understand that there are some of you who are here today and you're like, Rhett, I feel shame, I feel guilt. Every time you've been talking, I've just felt like there's something pressing upon my heart of just just drawing me to wanna have a relationship with God. Can I be honest with you? That's God's love, he loves you. Listen, there's no condemnation. There's conviction, it's different. Condemnation leads to death, conviction leads to life. And God's just trying to draw you to a place today where you can experience life. In fact, John 10, 10 says, this is the reason Jesus came was so that you could have life and have life more abundantly on this earth and heaven, which is a reality, everyone. God so loved you that he gave, who? Jesus, so that anyone who would believe in him and what he did for us by paying for our sins could have life and live for eternity with him in relationship. Romans 10, 9 says, if you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what salvation is. Salvation isn't going to church. Salvation isn't doing religious duties. Salvation is simply coming to a place where we surrender control of our life over to God. God's here this morning and some of you You just need to hit the reset on your relationship with God. If you're here today and you want to recommit your life to Christ or you're here today and you just want to begin a relationship with God, would you be so bold? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today, would you be so bold just to raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you, sir. Pastor, would you pray for me? 
I want to hit the reset button on the relationship with God this morning. I'd love for you to lead me in a prayer. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. You can put your hands down. It's the greatest decision of your life. Some of you raised your hand, some of you didn't. But can I just be honest with you? It's about a heart that connects with God. Would you say a simple prayer like this? We just say, Jesus, I receive you today. I believe what you did for me. I believe you died. I believe you rose again to pay for my sin, my shame, and my guilt. God, today I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to come live on the inside of me. I give you my life today. I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. I put my hope and I put my trust in you. I pray to say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life to help me make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, listen, stay with me just for a second. If you said that prayer, congratulations. Way to go. It's the best decision of your life. We're a church of next steps. Why? Because all throughout the Bible, cover to cover, it is all about next steps. First step is what you just did. It's that prayer of salvation. I just want you to know it's so beautiful. But God has other steps for you to take, a lot like what I talked about today, which were relationships. And so here's how I'd like to help you with some next steps. If I could draw your attention to the worship guide that's in your chair, in that worship guide is a connection card. If you'd be so kind just to fill out whatever information you're comfortable giving us, this is what will happen if you do. I'm not gonna call you, not gonna show up at your house. All I simply wanna do is send you one email that says, hey, congratulations, but then give you some simple next steps. Hey, One Life Church, we had several people make decisions for Jesus this morning. Can you throw your hands together and celebrate with them today? Come on.